Hi everyone. Welcome to season seven, episode 101. Emily and I recorded this episode with Sam and Araki right after Mother's Day, and we are so excited to be able to bring this to you finally after all this time. Uh, it's a great conversation with Sam. She's one of the hottest chefs in Nashville, working at the 404 Kitchen, and we have a great conversation all about some of the challenges the restaurant industry has been facing since the COVID times, some of the creative ways that they are addressing the needs of their employees, of their clients, their customers and you know what the future holds in this industry. Emily, for the last few weeks, months even, has been working with um, designers and going to New York City and St. Louis and launching fashion lines and are looking forward to be able to bring you those stories in future episodes. And congratulations to all of the designers who are working with Emily and they're getting their own fashion lines and uh, way to go. Kudos, everybody. I, on the other hand, have been working with fashion designers in New York City, uh, pretty much lounging around in sweatpants and comfy tops since I have just been recovering from my second liposuction surgery. It uh, was a little harder this time. The recovery has been going a little slower. Uh, it seems to hurt more, probably because of the location where they took the lipedema fibrotic fat tissue out of my body. Every day gets a little bit better. I am happy about that, and I am happy not to have this debilitating tissue in my body anymore and looking forward to being able to walk and run-ish, um, but being able to move and uh, not be so tired and uh, keep my mobility and uh, hopefully a much longer, happier, healthier life. So uh, anyway, I'm not going to keep you from this great conversation with Sam um, and any longer. So, you know, listen. Oh, one word of warning. We have a lot of conversation about food, so if you're hungry, you might want to eat something now because you're going to be really, really hungry by the time the episode is over. Okay, thank you so much for listening to Clitterly Speaking the Podcast, and we'll talk with you guys soon. Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking the Podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Hey, 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 Emily, how are you today? Hey, 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 Michelle. Oh my gosh. True to form. I'm... You are doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you rather there hear that than the alternative? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't imagine if you ever like we were to do a, a podcast recording. You're like, I'm just so down the dumps, Michelle. I'm just really glad to be here. So, <laughs> no, I'm a happy, happy person. I'm optimistic, and I'm really happy about our conversation today. Yeah, but yeah. before we dive into that, I want to know how are you? I'm equally great. You know, okay. I, uh, I upon your recommendation, bought those Sorel sandals, mm -hmm. and uh, they did me very well in my weekend in New Orleans the other weekend. And I am um, I'm, I'm happy whenever St. Louis has a normal spring like summertime weather <laughs> to to wear those sandals now. Yeah. It's it's added my uh, it's added to my footwear options when you struggle with plantar fasciitis and heel spurs. So. Yeah, and there's they're really like urban chic. They're really cool looking. Oh, I got so many compliments. My mom, yeah. my daughter was like, "Mom, 
you're you're that's those are stylish. I mean, she was she yeah. was impressed, and I've worn them like with a tank dress. Well, I wore them you to know, a, to like, the wedding. Yeah. You know, I had this this black and white polka dot dress that I wore to the wedding, and I had those shoes on, and I was able to do some line dances. So there you go. If they only made a chef shoe. I'm sure that would be amazing for our guests. Yeah, probably. I would uh, suggest probably like in the chef's kitchen, probably maybe more like a, a close, close toes. toe. <laughs> <laughs> so today I'm really excited yeah. to invite Sam, Samantha. Do you prefer Sam or Samantha? Usually Sam, but... Uh, I know. I know you as Sam, but I see, you know, you on yep. our Zoom as Samantha. So Sam <laughs> Naraki, who is a family friend. I'm so excited that she is joining us here today. Sam and I have a lot of things in common. We both played cello. We both love food, love being in the kitchen. But she has next leveled that experience because she is one of the all-time baddest chefs in Nashville. Welcome, welcome, Sam. <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. How are how is your footwear? Um, you know, in in the <laughs> yeah. in the kitchen. I go forth throughout my day. I um I really really like a good like minimalist kind of shoe. Um, most of the time, I wear Toms. Um, really, they're really cool. Um, but in the kitchen. Obviously, that's not a great choice. So I tend more towards uh, either uh, Army Surplus Combat Boots or Doc Martens. Sure. So usually uh, at some point in the middle of the day, I switch from my toms to uh, my heavier boots. But if they made a really great minimalist kitchen shoe, I would probably own a pair. Might wow. be time for you to invent that, Sam. Or at least just put it out there in the universe for <laughs> yeah. somebody who's listening yeah, <laughs> to do that. Well, well, awesome. Well, so how were things? You survived Mother's Day in Nashville. Was this obviously a different Mother's Day than last year? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, generally speaking, for um, holidays, we uh, do a buffet service. Um, uh, it's, you know, a way for us to be able to serve a whole lot of people. Um you know, a whole lot of people, a whole lot of options. Um, Cause I think people are used to on holiday menus, just having like a whole big spread. <laughs> um, and so the way that we've handled that in this last year is kind of doing family style services. So you pick your entree, but then all of the appetizers and sides and desserts, um, breads, etc., come to the table family style. So it's like we bring the buffet to you. Um, oh, that's so nice. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. A little reworking of the of the old method. Well, in addition to surviving Mother's Day, she's survived COVID times. I mean, let's talk about this for a second. You know you're in the restaurant industry. There's so many dynamics I can't wait to explore with you in this conversation. But, you know, COVID times, um, you have been able to not only uh, keep your restaurant that you're in charge of going, but you've been able to thrive and expand. How did you do this? Um, my, uh, you know, we, we've worked a lot, a lot of long days, a lot of late nights, um, and a lot of creativity. Um, it's forced, uh, I think it's this, uh, pandemic has forced a lot of endemic problems, to the restaurant industry, uh, whether it's like the way pay is structured, the way, uh, 
we interact with our guests and our vendors um, and our internal hierarchies. You know, I think everybody has known that some of those things have been flawed for a long time. And uh, the pandemic definitely brought all of those problems. I think, you know, we were on path to make some significant changes over time and it's definitely sped up that process. Um, But, uh, you know, it's forced us to be really creative. Um, Right now, our current, you know, last year, our challenge was getting, being able to fit enough people in the dining room to be able to pay all the bills. And Mm -hmm. we survived that. We were able to make it happen with a lot of, you know, creative uh, uh, programming, which was a lot of fun, Um, difficult, but a lot of fun. And then, uh, you know, our current challenge is how do you get people to come back to work? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we're having a lot of problems in fully staffing our restaurants because there are people who have exited the industry uh, for other industries for a number of reasons, whether it's, um, you know, people going to work construction instead of line cooking or, um, you know, people who kind of um, have options in other fields going, um, saying, okay, well, the restaurant industry was fun for a while, but maybe it's time for me to do something more sensible. Or, uh, you know, a lot of cooks have left for the marijuana industry. Really? Um, Wow. uh, but well, uh, and child you know, care too, I imagine, right? Like, you know, the the issue of, you know, when the pandemic happened, people were at home with their families and now trying to navigate, trying to figure that out when our world, ha- we're not through the pandemic yet and people trying to come back to work and trying to figure out what to do with child care, I can imagine can be an issue. Yeah, well, I, I was wondering or wanted to make the statement that, you know, we, uh, with the difficulty having workers or finding workers um some for some a lot of those reasons you mentioned somebody would leave the industry would probably on a normal year not be oh well he left he's working construction now or 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 she's she's doing something differently but because it's like magnified they're all doing it at the same time is what really has has impacted you and you know the issue is like I've poured over menus from 10 years ago with my boss recently and the prices on the menu are relatively the same mm-hmm. as they were years ago. But even last year I was paying nine or $10 a pound for redfish. Last week I paid $16 and 80 cents a pound for redfish. And when I look at my order guide, which is the list of uh, items that I order every week to produce the items on our menu. Um, Usually if you look at that and compare it to where it was a month ago, some things have gone up a little bit. Some things have gone down a little bit and it kind of all evens out in the wash, but I only had a handful of items out of 183 items that I order weekly. I only had a handful of them go down in price and not significantly. Well, um, if you compare uh, like last week's order guide to January, uh, you see like 25 to 50% price increases in a lot of proteins and commodity items across the board, Uh, your fry oil, your butter, your cream. And these are, are, is this all commodities and stuff that you're getting from uh, United States uh, suppliers or is this stuff you're expecting from overseas? Um, Some of it's, 
you know, I, I was not able to get, um, for example, I use a, uh, Spanish vinegars. Um, I wasn't able to get those for a period of time. Uh, we're back able to get those now, but the, I guess what is the problem is that, uh, across the board, all of those items have increased in price and, um, so, yeah, I the, can, the price I- of labor has increased as well. And, um, and, yeah, and, and people aren't expecting to pay more when they go to the restaurant. They're gonna be like, last right. week that was no. not as expensive. So there's another industry that is experiencing the same problem right now. It happens to be the industry that I'm in, the fashion industry. By Don't the way, <laughs> I can just relate to what you're saying, Sam, because um, it is true. You know, there's there that the cost of making making items, cost of materials has been going readily up but the powers that be that are you know that are controlling what that price is um that that price has not changed for decades in the fashion industry if you really look at like what that final end product price is going to be yeah exactly and that's where it comes down to i mean you know there's a certain formula, and Sam, you with your economics degree, I'm sure, um, have have a strong understanding of what a plate should cost versus versus what you charge for it in the industry, and right. you know that number has has narrowed more and more throughout the last couple of decades. That you know the end price to the consumer hasn't changed. Meanwhile, your right. cost of goods has. And uh, when you pair, you know, the fact that that hasn't changed in a decade. So we were yeah. already, it was already really difficult margins to hit, but you know, we were used to it. We were good at it. But when you see these very extreme sudden increases in prices across the board, it suddenly becomes extremely difficult mm-hmm. to, uh, to make those numbers look right. And, um, so we're, we're being creative. Uh, you know, I'm calling a lot of my vendors, particularly the local ones. And instead of saying, I want to order ribeye, I call my meat vendor and say, what are you not selling this week? What do you need to get rid of? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, cause there's not a cut, there's not a cut that I can't make delicious. Right. So, <laughs> so that is, I'm, that's, that's I'm, like classic call call people and um just try to sell what they're not or trying to buy what they're not selling to other people uh and i'm trying to sell creativity and not ribeyes that's perfect yeah i think that's going to help elevate you then again to the next level also because you're 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 giving an unexpected experience sure like ribeyes just got uh what seems to be like prohibitively expensive um, the way that we sold them in the past. Uh, but it forced me to, to develop a way to make flank steak, the most delicious flank steak I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and- I don't run a restaurant, but when I go to the local butcher shop, I've noticed that the prices for the ribeye and the T-bone and things like that, it's uh, that they're, they're, they're getting, like seventeen, eighteen dollars a pound, nineteen dollars a oh, pound. Yeah. yeah, and that's I'm taking home to cook. I can't imagine if you're buying. I mean, you would be buying more than one piece, but like, and having then to turn around and and your restaurant and sell that same mm-hmm. steak for and your five dollars or something yeah. like that. You know, uh, food cost. Your goals in food costs are twenty to twenty five percent actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, of- and you 
prices. Hmm. Very similar to retail. Yeah. 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 Because you pay people to produce the food and you have to pay to maintain the equipment and the lights on, the water running. Mm hmm. Somebody to wash the dishes and carry the plates to the tables and the trash hauler to get the get the trash out. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot to it. So thinking about what you've been observing, um, in you know, noticing that there's been this this gap with um price point. Also in the last year, I'm you know what other shifts have you seen that COVID has brought about within your kitchen? Um, you know, I think one of the positives is, uh, and it's something that I keep going back to on the days where it's the hardest or we're working the longest hours is that every person who's in my kitchen right now is there because they want to be there because they have to be there. Like emotionally, like I have, a lot of really young cooks right now who are there because they, they want to learn to cook. They want to be chefs and there's no, um, there's just no reason for people who don't really want to be there to be there right now. So there's not enough of us, but the, those of us who are there are all there because we're passionate about the industry and the craft. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, has it filtered out folks that were just there cause it's a job and so do you feel like there's a more room for creativity or development and growth with what with the staff you yeah. do have? Yeah, I think that I feel like going forward, I'm, you know, I'm everybody in my kitchen. I'm training people who are going to be chefs, like who want to be chefs. Um, and I've got kids that come in and read books and ask questions and um are really like, you know, if they make a mistake, I don't have to get onto them because they're harder on themselves than I, than I'll ever be on them. So that's amazing. It's super refreshing. So, you know, I just try to keep, uh, keep focused on the teaching aspect, um, and trying to find the best ways to communicate with people, uh, about what they're trying to do because, you know, kid, I think, as we evolve, kitchens are becoming a lot more gentle than um, they were when I was younger. When I was in my early 20s, you made a mistake. The chef screamed at you, threw something against the wall. Like, you know, there was a lot of that. And so uh, trying to teach people uh, how to do something that nobody used language to teach me how to do. Um, My biggest example I keep going back to is chives. Um, I wanted, I, I teach for a culinary school now um, in the restaurant. And I had this goal early on in teaching that I was going to teach all of my students how to cut really nice chives. Uh, and so the first day I started trying to describe it to my first student and I struggled with it a lot because I realized that I learned how to cut nice chives because somebody told me to, and then screamed at me until they were right over the course of a couple of months. Wow. Went to, all kinds of chefs that I've worked with and for and like all kinds of people I respect in the industry and asked everybody, how did you learn how to cut nice chives? And everybody had the same answer. I don't know. Somebody screamed at me until they were right. Um, And over the course of the next few months, I cut my own chives every day for my station and I thought about it and I took notes and um, you know, I can't teach somebody how to keep, 
how to cut nice chives day one, obviously, because it's just a skill that's uh, developed through repetition. But I can describe to somebody how to get on the right path to practice now. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and that sounds familiar. And um, and so I'm just like taking taking uh, skills one by one and going through them and trying to put language to things that I w- really wasn't taught to do. Um, with language, you're translating those screams and the and and the garbled uh, anger uh, tones into words right. into nice uh, paragraphs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is so. where I think your years of practicing and studying the cello are really paying off because what you're talking about is very similar. You know, learning to play an instrument, you don't just pick it up and play a concerto you know (laughs) you don't just instantly walk into the kitchen and serve a nine course meal that people are going to melt over you know you have to learn how to practice all of the key steps to to deliver the the piece in a meaningful artistic way and so I loved seeing that 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 those previous lessons are starting to find the way into your own kitchen philosophy I'm curious it seems that you know you you grew up in a very typical male dominated very hell's kitchen kind of style you know um environment in the you know in 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 the professional kitchen and now obviously there's a major shift you know younger talent is expecting a different experience you you're are infusing your own leadership style what is this a growing trend in the industry or is this just things that you're starting to see are relevant for this moment in time are you a breaking new ground you know i think it's kind of like a coming coming together in the middle kind of thing i think that um like I, I, my boss and I have talked before about how he was cut, like when he started cooking, it was kind of the beginning of the end. And I kind of saw the end of the end mm-hmm. of like the angry screaming chef, you know? Mm-hmm. And from our perspectives, um, I think a lot of us who are a little bit older, I mean, it's, it's a very young industry, I guess, cause I'm only 34, but, um, but those of us who've been doing this for over a decade, it's exhausting to be angry. Mm-hmm. Like it detracts from, um, you know, it, you're spending time and uh, energy on your ego that you could be spending doing the job better. Um, and so I think that part of me approaches it from that, that standpoint. And then um, I think that the the people who are 10 plus years younger than me have a different expectation of how they are to be treated in the world and well, sometimes it's frustrating to say like, well, I dealt with this. So like, you're only dealing with this. It's not even that hard. Like, yeah. you know, are you so upset about it? It's easy. Like, you know, it's easy for us to react like that, but like the sense of work-life balance and the sense of boundaries and like, Hey, don't treat me like shit or I'll just leave yeah. um, is from like a mental health standpoint, help, like, a healthy reaction to what has previously been an abusive environment. So um, Mm -hmm. I think that even if it weren't something that interest that I had a personal interest in because it sucks to be angry all the time, I would be forced to do it anyway. 
Uh, so everybody's kind of working together to make it, make it uh, the industry just kind of a, a more sustainable place to spend a career. And uh, like, well, and as a um, as a, a a woman in this industry and pretty high up in this industry, are you finding that you have uh, role models uh, ahead of you of how you know like restaurant uh, restaurant op, um, owners or you know. Um, you know, chains, pe- women who own chains, or or do you or do you still see that as pretty male dominated? And you're gonna your generation will be the one that breaks that that ceiling. Um. No. You know, I have I have uh, a lot of women in the industry that I really look up to. Some of them are closer to my own age, and some of them were like ahead of their time. Um. So, uh, like one of my biggest role models, I actually have her tattooed on my arm. It's, uh, Ella Brennan of, uh, first Brennan in New Orleans. Yeah. And, uh, Ella Brennan was opening Brennan's with her, with her older brother. Um, and just before opening, he dropped dead and the banks all, you know, pulled the money out and they were like, sorry, a woman can't operate a restaurant. Mm-hmm. We're out. Every member of the family refinanced their houses. The restaurant proceeded, was really successful. Um, and, you know, she launched the careers of some really famous uh, chefs out of New Orleans over the, you know, the past half century. Uh, she launched Paul Prudhomme and mm-hmm. Emerald. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so, like, That's but that amazing. was a person had to fight she had to fight extra she had to do extra um in a really really big way like because nowadays nobody's going to tell you to your face you can't do this because you're a woman right Mm -hmm. um but they're going to react to your criticism differently so let me let me interrupt you just real quickly so when you said that um ella had to fight extra but it was kind of overt that she's fighting extra because they're saying you can't do it because you're a woman are you saying that you still have to fight extra, but it's even more subtle? And it, yeah, and it's hard at times to discern um, when it happens and when it doesn't, mm. because um, I think sometimes it feels like uh, you have a sense of this person would take my direction better if I were a man, or they wouldn't have taken that criticism that harshly. Um, if I were a man, um, interesting. Why, why do you think that is that they're more willing to take criticism from a man than a woman? And what are some of your, I don't know, insights um, there, Sam? I think that, uh, I, you know, I approach like professional criticism with a lot of dryness, uh, like just naturally, um, approach with a lot of dryness, a lot of just here are the facts. This was done incorrectly. This is where the mistake was made. Let's do it again and do it this way this time. Mm -hmm. And I think that people have an expectation of, um, more nurturing from women, more, um, like, Hey, it's okay. Like, like, and, uh, that's just not my personal nature. Um, 
Well, you know, as women, we have we've all taken those courses where how to how to um, correct a man so that he feels superior, better, <laughs> superior, and better about himself yeah. you know, through the correction. I mean, we took that was. That was a uh, that was uh, it was a junior high, high school, college. I mean, I think we even did a time of the month on that one. We did, where yeah. you know, there's a special way of of uh, letting people down, <laughs> of of throwing an idea out there and being and and applauding the man for picking it up and yeah. and claiming it as his own. You know, um, I definitely found, like professionally in positions with men. That I've found that it's easier to uh, throw, like, throw an idea out there and let it be theirs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just to get the job done. Um, I will say that my boss that I work most closely with um, is is not and has never been like that, which is probably why I've found myself spending on almost half my career working for him. Um, and like. To that as well, like he is someone that we've had a conversation in the past that um, when I when I find myself in a moment that I've had to get short with someone or um, correct somebody in a moment and they react badly to it, um, it's it's not uh, it it's more powerful for it to come from him to say like, mm. would you have reacted to me this way? Like, yeah. if I would criticize you in that way, would you be having the same reaction? Uh, well, well, no, I wouldn't have because, you know. You and know. why is And uh, well, I don't so, know. I don't know. She just rubbed me the wrong way, man. <laughs> she's, so, she, she's so harsh, you know. Really, I think it's really great to have, uh, to to work with someone who will advocate like that. Yeah. And, and use it sparingly, you know. Because it's not always the case. And if it is the case, addressing it as such doesn't always serve our goals um, in the end as well. So, yeah. um, So if you could change uh, one or two things for women in the industry, what, I mean, like, so, you know, like not just your, not your space, but like industry wide, what two things, one or two things would you change that would make it an, uh, a more viable option for uh, a vocation, a career, an occupation than, you know, most women in early or come in late in life, you know, not a lot of them are hanging around. Sure. Um, two things. Well, I think that, first of all, you know, I'm I'm in a position where I'm working in a very creative role in um, – a leadership role or whatever. But, um, I think that, um, a lot, like it's something to do with allowing, allowing some, um, flexibility for women with children. Uh, cause I don't think that my, my particular position, I don't think is an easy one to do. Like I don't personally want children, but it's not a, an easy one to do if you want to be a parent of either gender. But, mm. um, but in um, in more hourly positions, there's you know a lot of people who are single mothers and stuff. Um, that uh, that uh, could be better accommodated. But 
I don't think that it's particularly up to the restaurants to do that. Um, because they're not capable of it. Right. Individually, uh, the restaurants aren't capable of it, but you do think collectively? They can't afford it. Yeah. Do you think collectively the restaurant industry could, you know, like. Oh, that's a neat idea. Um, not necessarily okay. because, you know, I see a lot of, um, I see a lot of things on social media recently that are critiquing restaurants for unfair, what, what are like, you know, perceived as like unfair practices in labor and pay and uh, treatment of workers and all of that. And uh, in my experience, having mostly worked at single proprietorship restaurants or like very small restaurant groups that only own a couple of restaurants, um, it's uh, the people who own those restaurants work in them. Like they're not getting rich on the backs of hourly employees. They're, you know, barely turning a profit. Um, Like, sure, you could say like something totally different about Applebee's. Yeah. But most people who own restaurants in the, in this country are not printing money. Yeah. Um, And therefore they work hard. Can't accommodate those increases in wages that increase flexibility in hours um, that I think would make it easier for women to climb the ranks in this industry. I think honestly, the, the biggest thing it's gotta be just, it's being louder. Um, yes. Well, you've seen a dramatic shift of an increase of women in the kitchen in the last year during this, uh, COVID I time, right? Um, I think that, I think that over over the course of the past year, I, you know, before COVID, I had a lot of, uh, a lot of white dudes in my kitchen mm-hmm. and, um, and my kitchen is more than half women now. Um, and I think that like, there's always been this thing of like, you know, we have to work twice as hard to be seen as, as good. Yeah. And in a time when everybody in this industry has to work twice as hard, um, we're used to it. We got this. And a yeah. lot of the white dudes are like, you know what? I'm out. Like this is not, or there's a whole lot of, that's not my job. This is too hard. Wow. That's too much and the wit- ladies so are I like, have, I can do it, man. I can show up. I so can I've make got it a happen. Kitchen full of like young women, which is really, really great. Oh, cool. um, I'm sure the dynamic uh, in the kitchen is a lot different. Oh no, we're still gross. <laughs> We're still completely gross, maybe even grosser because like guys just make dick jokes. Women have a lot more colorful details. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Well, you know, we do we do have clitorally speaking the podcast, so we understand that completely. Yeah, <laughs> um, that is true. But but no, my my uh yeah, more than half of my cooks are women and you know, they're just as fast and I think that they um, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing because it's something I struggle with, but they're perfectionists. If they mess something up, I've heard so many guys, you know, not take responsibility. And like, this is just, uh, just what I've observed. It's not really a rule or anything, but like, I just remember so many dudes saying like, well, this happened, but you know, this, this, like, this is why it wasn't my fault or whatever. And, 
I've found that women more go back after they've made a mistake and say, this is where I fucked up. What can I do next time to make sure that doesn't happen? Or why did this happen this way? How can I avoid this in the future? Mm -hmm. Um, And just own up to their mistakes and use it, use them to grow. Mm -hmm. And so that's really cool to see. My God. Yeah. So, um, I want to uh, jump into a little bit of uh, that project you were doing. I want you to share our share it with our our listeners about you were making food for. Uh, why am I thinking it was a magazine? Well, William Sonoma. Well, okay, so there you go. <laughs> there you go. William Sonoma. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tell Just us, a little project like that. <laughs> tell us about that project and how you how it came to be and how it's like like you know, evolving for you? Um, so this is uh, something that we've been involved with at 404 over the past year. And this, this is, you know, my, my boss, uh, my boss has worked with William Sonoma for years on a number of projects. And it's something that they had approached him about before, but he was never really interested. Uh, we never hit the ground running with it um, because we had other things going on and it just didn't seem worth it at the time. But something that we pursued over the last year is um, William Sonoma has like a, a, a line of frozen food that you can order on their website. Um, and we've uh, taken over a number of items on that. So you can order food from our restaurant through William Sonoma. And there are meal packages for, uh, you know, for three nights, you can order our fried chicken package. Mm. You can order our ham biscuits. Um, but uh, it's something that we immediately, when we shut down, we hit the ground running. I'm like, okay, we have to find some way to pivot, some way to um, to sell food differently and approach guests differently than we did before because we can't have people in our dining rooms now. And even, you know, after we opened up, well, we can't have as many people in our dining rooms now, or we don't have the tourists that we used to have. Um, so it's a way for us to interact with guests that, you know, we had previously, but in a different way. And then maybe, you know, going forward as the world, you know, it's opening up the bachelorette parties, they're coming back, but maybe they come into to our restaurant have a really great time, have some great food. And then they're going to be able to go home wherever they came from and order our food online to throw a dinner party at their house or something. So, um, yeah. yeah. As, a, as opposed to before you could only eat your food if you were in Nashville. Um, and, oh, that was a great experience. But through this, this uh, endeavor with William Sonoma, if that bachelorette or the bridesmaid was all the way from, you know, Portland, Oregon, or St. Louis, or St. Louis, <laughs> or, or you know, or well, I think we're close enough. We could just drive know, over. Well, you know, Sam is from St. Louis. You know, <laughs> you, did, were you born and raised in St. Louis? I was. Also, where'd you go to high school? <laughs> I dropped out because I didn't like it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I dropped out of Lindbergh. Oh, okay. And well, it wasn't a particular high school. I just didn't like high school in general. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Who did? It was inhibiting. <laughs> it was limiting you. Yes, I had course. too much to do to sit in high school all day. <laughs> <laughs> there was Voltaire to read. There was cello to play. Yeah. Yeah. So did you do, then when you got your DED and did all that sort of stuff so that you could be, be out or you just said, screw that? I did some foxy shit and I went to Vanderbilt. <laughs> 
<laughs> nice. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. School. Yeah. High school was just below her. Wow. Yeah. Oh, because you did she get an economics learn. degree. Yes. Right? Or just, I have a music yes. degree and an economics degree. Wow. But mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, I, ju- I just got off uh, of a call with um, my uh, best friend, or it was a whole board, me- board meeting for her nonprofit. And my best friend from St. Louis, uh, she dropped out of high school at the same time. Mm-hmm. But uh, but she has yeah. a DMA from Peabody, so it's fine. So you all did very well with your decision <laughs> to move on. It was like, this is just, I need to get. So yeah, yeah. all of the Lindbergh High School students that listen to our podcast are going to be like, we're leaving. This is where she we're, is now. <laughs> There's yeah. no reason for us to continue at Lindbergh High School. We're gonna we're gonna leave and do something. Oh, it had nothing to do with the particular high school. I would have hated high school anywhere. Yeah. Oh my god. Absolutely. So, do you think you will just stick with William Sonoma, or is this sort of like a wow? This this is replicable in, with other um, uh, well supply chains, really, because it's got to be somebody who can who can deliver it. You know. Or would you want to? Sure. Would you guys want to take um, it on yourselves? I think we're interested in further diversification um, in that way because it protects us going forward from, you know, whether it's a global pandemic, whether it's uh, just market changes. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that we've seen a value in diversification that we didn't really uh, fully grasp before. So. You know, I don't know what it looks like going forward because I think we're still just experimenting with mm-hmm. there were a lot of a lot of new ideas thrown out this year. I'm somebody who loves fine dining and like great food in an era that we are moving more towards like a, a, a bit more casual styles of dining. And over the last year, my my boss and I have constantly had to ask ourselves, like, am I doing this for my ego or am I doing this for my guest? Like. Does it matter if you double sift the pepper so it's just the perfect medium grind of black pepper for every dish? Does it matter to have beautifully, perfectly cut herbs on every plate? Um, Does it matter if you peel the garlic by hand and cut it by hand or if you put it in a food processor? All of those questions. And before, I think that we aired a little bit too much on the side of ego um, and maybe did too many things the hard way. Right. Um, that once the, the meal got to the dining room, the guest didn't care how we cut the garlic. Right. Um, the guest probably had no idea how you cut the garlic. <laughs> Is it paper right. thin in these but, um, so I mean, I, the guest I, probably I, would start yelling, what? <laughs> just do it right. <laughs> <laughs> they just want the food on the table quickly. They just wanted, they wanted but, to taste good. Yeah. But, uh, so I, I think that there, I felt like there's a, a chunk of this year that I spent chasing windmills. Like there's the yes. whole scene in Don Quixote where <laughs> he's, he's trying to sword fight, like what he thinks are these giants and he's going to, you know, save, save humanity from these giants and, uh, you know, redistribute the wealth that they've st- they've stolen to all the poor people or whatever. And, but they're not giants at all. He's hallucinating. They're just windmills and he's swinging a sword at them. Yeah. And And the poor um, sheep. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, so, so we started asking, like, I started asking my boss, like, 
is this a windmill or is this a giant? Like, and like, you know, I find myself there, there there's some things that fall into a gray area, like, like chiffonade parsley, like some, and, and the, uh, double sifted pepper. Like I no longer require my cooks to sift the pepper perfectly. Mm. I don't want whole peppercorns in there, but like sift the, or, you know, grind the pepper. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'll come in early in the morning when no one else is there to see me waste my time doing this. I'll double sift the pepper. So it's perfect because it makes me happy to have that. And so like, I am Don Quixote and things like the double sifted pepper are my windmills. And <laughs> well, it might be your meditation to too, right? It's okay it to say if it brings you peace. Exercise. Yeah. For me, it's a mindfulness exercise. Mm-hmm. It's uh, because every time, you know, I'm working long hours and this is a beautiful thing. I really appreciate it. And it gives me these little moments of happiness throughout the day. So I continue, I, I pick a handful of things that are still worth it to me uh, for my, for my own sanity. (laughs) So I have two questions before, before we we, we're done here. Um, my first question is what, and, and what do you see for yourself in the future? Do you see, would you, do you want to like have your own restaurant? Um, you know, I'm just like, and, 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 and you don't, Whatever you tell us today, you're not committed to doing that. It just like currently, what is your what your is your dreams. your dream for yourself? Um, you know, still because you're you're you are a young, young. woman. You're definitely yeah. a, a young um, person. And then the second is is like, what's your favorite meal to have with friends? Oh, I love that question, Michelle. <laughs> um, my, you know, I my goals are so different than they used to be because I started cooking as means of escape. I like, you know, I I lived in classical music world for a number of years and it was stressful and competitive and um, restaurants for me were something that I just simply loved and I just wanted to do it. And I never really did it with a goal in mind until the past few years. But now I kind of, I see myself expanding into teaching more mm-hmm. and I want, um, I want to continue to work with my current boss. Uh, you know, he is Matt Bolas is somebody that I've worked with and for, for a number of years. And we just, we jive really well creatively. Uh, I think we check each other's strengths and weaknesses very well. And, um, you know, as the restaurant group that, you know, he is an owner and expands, you know, it, it only expands as, as his career expands, so does mine. Mm. And Mm. I want, it's just a, it's a great creative partnership that I would like to continue. Uh, but outside of that, um, I'm writing a book. Um, I would, it's, uh, something that I would like to pursue more of is, is writing. Um, and the writing that I'm doing is kind of along the same vein as the teaching. So, um, and yeah, but just continuing to open more restaurants, uh, write great menus, teach great cooks and, uh, expand into writing a little bit. So, Okay. And then what is your favorite meal to share with friends? Foie gras, peanut butter, and jelly sandwich. <laughs> a foie gras, oh. peanut butter, and jelly sandwich? Is that what you just said? 
I yes, love that so much right now. <laughs> it, yeah. There's a number of ways that you can do it, but uh, you want like a good sweet bread, whether it's brioche or I love King's Hawaiian, mm-hmm. which is basically American brioche. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, or like even white bread. And um, I like a good savory, crunchy peanut butter. Mm, I love crunchy and peanut butter. I used to think it only worked with like a good tart, like Morello cherry jam. But I did one with uh, a really sweet fig jam with Berber Mm. spice recently that I think was my favorite of all time. But it's one of my favorite things (laughs) to cook for my friends when they come into the restaurant uh, for dessert. (laughs) Nice. I, I'm like, I'm already envisioning variations on that. So maybe we should keep a dialogue about this one, Sam. It's, it's super fun. Yeah. Well, we'll have to definitely get over to Nashville um, soon. Oh, my goodness. I yes. mean, we're vaccinated. I know. Let's go. We can travel. We have traveled. We just need to go. We need to go east to Nashville. Cause, um, <laughs> I've been to her restaurant a couple of times, by the way. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. You, yeah. You've, uh, you've eaten the chef's recommendations. Oh, yeah. Good. But I haven't had that, and I want that. <laughs> Good stuff. I know. I, uh, you're a big fan of bone marrow as well, right, Emily? Yes. Oh, my God, yes. Um, I have a, a new set that is our very classic 404 72-hour tri-tip, and the new set is uh, oysters seared in bone marrow. With shaved fennel frond and fresh oregano and uh, some garlic and fennel caramelized in bone marrow. And then bone marrow jam swirled around the plate. Oh, my God. And uh, rogue creamery smoky blue cheese crumbled over the That sounds outrageous. Sam, will you do us a favor? Will you share (laughs) a recipe? It doesn't have to be one from a restaurant. Restaurant, but one that you think our audience might enjoy. Can you share a recipe with us, and we will absolutely make sure to yeah. include it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, sure. Just Put it on something the included in the show notes. Yeah, just something we, that is, and, and we might even record ourselves making it. Oh, <laughs> can do a cooking demo. There was a period of time during COVID that I was having a friend of mine. Um, record uh dumb cooking demos like as just a fun <laughs> little hobby or whatever i think there's one on instagram of me making bang bang noodles oh my god <laughs> we should uh we'll look we it should up make something fun. yeah okay be fun. that yeah. sounds fabulous yeah. looking forward to it absolutely well thank you so much sam it's been such a great time talking with you here we didn't even talk about where we're drinking tonight maybe we should wrap up by sharing sure. what we have just finished we have we we have nearly finished we have a sip or two left of this annabella it is a red blend um it is to me just delightful it's a yeah. california red wine red wine <laughs> Proof that it's the end of the bottle. And I love it because to me, you know, I'm I'm a a girl that likes to have, um, when I drink my red wine, that has like a story to it. To me, there's like levels and layers. And um, I feel I... My tasty notes are a little pepper and then like a little caramel in there. Do you get get that? I definitely do. I think it's definitely get that pepper for sure. Yeah. And a lot of that like dense dark blackberry plum... Kind of fruit. Yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. Sam, what were you enjoying tonight? 
I have this Chasselet. Uh, uh, the Terroir de Limon, uh, mm. 2016. It is super, it's super not great for this weather. I'll tell you that it's supposed to be spring and this is just a lovely, like very citrus forward almond, high salinity, Ooh. like high acidity, Ooh. uh, Chasselet. And I love it. And it's cold tonight. Yeah. And it's just not the right weather. I I would really love this is like a sit on the porch of your Charleston Airbnb Airbnb and Pop Oysters wine. Nice. I, as, as soon as you said that salinity, I was like, oh, that needs oysters. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah. we now we now know what we're gonna be drinking and eating yeah. when we yeah. go to Nashville. To Looking see forward you. to it. So the name of your restaurant is 504. The four hundred four kitchen. The four hundred four kitchen. Okay. And are you downtown Nashville? Are you? We're in the Gulch. The Gulch. For those of you familiar with Nashville, they're in the Gulch. For those of us who are not familiar, we'll Google it. It's close to. It's very close to downtown. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it is the spot to be if you're a chic restaurant. Yeah. Okay. Or a cool bar, a jazz bar, yeah, have, a speakeasy. We have a rooftop patio. Uh, we have the best uh, bourbon library in the city. And uh, currently, we're still COVID times. We have uh, half price our whole bourbon wall on Wednesdays. Well, I'm free Wednesday. Are you free Wednesday? (laughs) (laughs) Give me a couple Wednesdays and we'll hit the road, okay? (laughs) And we have our full dining menu Maybe for our time of the month. A last Wednesday of the month. Not this Wednesday. Not William graduates. So, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll find it. We'll out. find it. We'll yeah. make it happen. Well, again, Sam, thank you so much for spending time with us today. And uh, I'm definitely hungry. And uh, <laughs> I can't wait to to come meet you in person at your restaurant. But uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to be watching you. Absolutely. I'm going to be like watching where Absolutely. we're going. It's a woman yeah. on the rise for sure. For sure. Cheers, right, Sam. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.